Lynn Chang, and I joined the writing staff of The Handmaid's Tale in season two. I was one of the very few new writers on the staff, and I had worked with Bruce on ER many moons ago mm -hmm. in like 2002 and 2003, and we hadn't worked together since then. But I reached out to him just to say like, hey, congrats on The Handmaid's Tale when the press on on season one was coming out and he was like hey let's have coffee and then I ended up working on the show so yeah so that's my background I've been a writer in Newsweek magazine from 1994 to 2000 then I switched to TV writing and worked on ER and many other shows um, this is my favorite by far Ah, we'll talk about making that transition kind of midstream because we also today was a busy day um, we also interviewed uh, Sydney Sweeney who also came in season two as well and we kind of questioned her, you know, what's it like to come in after this first season was such a success and kind of come in midstream and get injected into this process. So what's that been like? It has been so easy and amazing because it's, I swear this is like the warmest, kindest, safest writer's room, like one of like the best writer's room I've, rooms I've ever, ever been in. And it really all comes from Bruce. He really sets the tone, and he's just just a writer's room where everyone is really pulling together in the same direction, and there's sort of no weird politics to contend with. People are just, yeah, warm and kind and wonderful, and you kind of need that to create stories like this. It was, of course, intimidating to come in second season because... It was like suddenly like the show was getting all awards and whenever I told anyone what I did, I had to say, I work on The Handmaid's Tale. I was not involved with season one. I can't take any credit for season one. <laughs> <laughs> any sort of nervousness or feelings of intimidation that I might have had at the beginning dissipated quickly because the writers are, it's just such a great group. So I, I really couldn't be happier. That's great. And that's, that's been the overall sentiment. Again, no, I have yet to hear anyone say anything even remotely different, so... It seems like you guys have yeah. a great thing going there, so hopefully it will last. So Bruce brought you in here, so just selfishly, what did you feel like he saw in you from a writing standpoint and that you could bring to the show? Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny. I mean, Bruce is such a genius. He was like, I really don't know. I don't know why he chose me. I do remember sometimes during the season we were in the writer's room, and he brought up like a scene or a storyline that I had written in ER, and I was like, Bruce, that was 16 years ago. How do you remember that? And he was like, that's why you're here. And I just really don't even remember. That's the, crazy. The, I don't even remember the story that was, but that's just like the amount of stuff he keeps in his head is astonishing. <laughs> I, 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 think, um, I, I think that's a great lesson, too, for kind of up-and-coming people who kind of like yeah. you are like, Bruce, that was 16 years ago. How do you even remember that? But, you know, the people that you know, are showrunners and, you know, have these big powerful roles are very often these people that can keep all of that kind of stuff in their head that are going to remember those things. So, you know, nothing goes unnoticed usually. I mean, the other thing is that what's so freeing about the show is that I can be as um, honest as I want to be about the world and the show. I mean, the show is, it is dark and I've never been sort of unleashed to be able to be this realistic in terms of its darkness oh. and so that has been freeing for me and actually the other writers tease me because they're like 
got, you know, they, they tease me about maybe writing some of the darker things. <laughs> and they're like, Ellen, we've really got you now. We've really sucked you in. And it turns out that, you know, when unleashed, I can really, uh, yeah, just like let the dark side um, go. Well, <laughs> the free- it- Yeah, I would say if this uh, episode is any uh, indication of that, then yes, you are more than capable of unleashing the dark side of a show that has a considerable dark side already unleashed. Yes. (laughs) So let's dive into this just a little bit. Um, So I wanted to start with probably the most simple thing, and I just always like to kind of get into the nuts and bolts a little bit. The title of the episode is The Last Ceremony. So talk to me uh-huh. about the decision to make that the title and if there's any, you know, hidden insight into the the show with that. I constructed the episode and there were two ceremonies in it, which you see, and ceremonies are all brutal. There's one that is like particularly brutal yes. and dark. And actually it was Bruce's idea to call it the last ceremony because it is at least going to be the last ceremony that Alfred has in this house. And it's also like a ceremony, unlike the way you've seen it before. So I think that's where that's where he got it from. I, you know, I thought, oh, does it give it away that Alfred's going to have a ceremony? But we open with a ceremony, so I, you know, I think that it was the right title. So one thing that I found fascinating, I kind of had this realization after I watched this episode, and I was kind of sitting in the aftermath of it, <laughs> thinking about it, and yeah. I find fascinating one of the things, and Bruce talked about this when we talked to him last week, about how the the way the show is written and how it's shot, uh, everything is kind of from June's perspective. So we see what she sees kind of, you know, even literally at her perspective. We know what she knows. And I think what you, the writing staff, did this season, coming from last season where you sort of, sort of set the tone with Serena and Fred being these monsters and laid them out that way. And this season, along with June, we sort of take this journey where you kind of let us into the hearts and minds of the monsters and kind of give us their story, which a lot of shows are not wont to do. You know, a lot of, you know, take the easy route and make them pure evil. Mm, So what I found fascinating is that along with June, somehow, and I do a podcast about the show, so I was kind of fascinated that it happened to me, that we got comfortable Mm -hmm. with Serena and Fred. Mm -hmm. Serena especially, because we went Serena heavy this season Mm -hmm. and really started to allow us to feel things for her. And I really thought what happened with this episode to us and June was to remind us that it might be people, but these are still monsters. And they're monsters because of the decisions that they make to do the things that they do. So talk to me about that part of it and really exploring the human side of the villains and not letting this be a show where it is strictly one thing. Humans are capable of wonderful things and also of terrible things. You know, that's like, if history's proven anything, it's proven that. And I think Yvonne is brilliant in the way she portrays Serena because she always shows the humanity in Serena. She always shows that you really feel for her and you feel sorry for her. You have to hold her responsible for what's happened because she has helped create the prison in which she now lives. And it's a tragic situation, but she, in her perform- in Yvonne's performance, she makes you feel for her, which I think is a great feat. The thing is that Serena, oh, she did the ceremony before, and she's doing the ceremony again. And if you feel like, oh, my God, I just lost all sympathy for her because of that, you have to be reminded that she always did do the ceremony. She was always 
part of this rape of the handmaid, you know, and that actually hasn't changed. The great thing about TV is that you can understand them and you can also judge them, but when you're trying to create characters, you try to be truthful and honest about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing and what their motives really are without judging them. You know, you're not writing characters in order to preach something or in order to teach a lesson. You're trying to really flesh them out as human beings. And, you know, I think that if we held our noses writing these characters, they wouldn't come out as fully dimensional Mm -hmm. as they do. And also, I mean, what you've interviewed Yvonne and, you know, when talking to Yvonne and Joe about scenes and about story, I mean, they're both such wonderful people in addition to being wonderful actors. And so they imbue these characters with such humanity that that also really influences our creative process in writing them. That's very interesting. And I think something else you spoke to there is the kind of normalization, for lack of a better term, uh, of the ceremony. And that yeah. that has kind of been obviously intentional from the show standpoint that, again, really hammers home, oh, this has always been rape, um, regardless of how, you know, the handmaids are, like Emily is saying, you kind of treat it like a job in the beginning, laying the foundation for that. While the scene is shocking, I think it's more shocking to the viewer that they kind of also let themselves get into that mindset of seeing this so often within the show that it's just kind of one of those things. And then all of a sudden we see the true nature of it and how it should really probably be portrayed had this, you know, society not beating these women down. It's just a fascinating thing to do to your audience. And so how does, <laughs> and how, so talk about those. Cause there are quite, uh, quite a few of those moments uh, from you writers where you build this up to break us down. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think it's fascinating and um, we, I love it as much as it drives us crazy. Um, so talk about that and talk about the, your process there of coming up with the things that uh, oftentimes shock us and can you know, bring us back to the reality of this world. It's funny, I said to a reporter who said watching that ceremony, watching that rape scene, the pregnant rape scene basically made her, shook her out of her complacency mm-hmm. about what the ceremony was and made her feel like ashamed because she considers herself a feminist and, you know, it made her feel like, what kind of feminist is she, you know? And I have to say that I sort of, I really like that because that is, you know, I mean, we do want to shake you out of your complacency and out of your acceptance of it because Gilead has gotten everyone complacent about it, you know? The thing is that, you know, so it's offered voiceover at top and she and all the handmaids have been trained to dissociate basically during these terrible, brutal rapes. And what felt most honest about Alfred when she does the ceremony in this episode is that she hasn't, she's out of practice. Mm. You know, she hasn't done it many, many months and she's not expecting it. So she hasn't prepared for it. And so she just doesn't do us the favor of dissociating beforehand. She doesn't do Serena Joy and Fred the favor of dissociating beforehand. She's just not able to, and she tries. So in it, she repeats, while it's happening, she repeats the voiceover. It's like, like a bee is to a flower, Mm -hmm. you know. She just can't dissociate. And so she has like an honest and real reaction to what's going on. In a way, it's the most honest ceremony we've done because it is so brutal, so hard to watch. And 
every single ceremony, every single rape for all these handmaids is just as brutal. It is rape. And so there is sort of a way where, I don't know, we're like shaking the viewer going like, what did you think was happening all those times? What did you think? It was always rape. It was always terrible and wrong. I feel like thinking about you saying that makes the injection of Emily back into Gilead kind of like this this little reminder, this little like back to reality voice of, hey, everybody, still rape, and this place still sucks, and the only thing that would have been good is if it got blown up. And so that was kind of, that's kind of interesting, the, the timing of her return. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. The, the other scene that we need to discuss in this is obviously the finale of this, this episode, mm-hmm. which is Hannah, which we've been building to all this time, um, trying to see is there going to be a June-Hannah reunion, and we do get that. Um, and of course, it's layered as it should be. And I will say one of the things we credited you guys with last night is um, when we talked about it was avoiding what could have been a very cliched scene and making it one mm-hmm. of the more human, genuine, authentic scenes between two a parent and a child in a horrific situation. Kudos to you guys for avoiding all of the possible cliches and pitfalls and melodrama that could have come with that scene and really making something that was just really dynamic and human. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, for that scene, I have um, three kids. They're 12, 9, and 7. And so I had to go to some pretty dark places to write that scene. You know, I had to really imagine what it would be like if my kids who are close to Hannah's age, what it would be like if they were kidnapped, what if they were ripped from my arms, and then Mm. I only got to see them for 10 minutes three years later, you know, and so with that, I was able to sort of use their voice in writing and talking about how they react, talking about how they would react in a situation like this, and then on top of that, I also just did a ton of research. I talked to a lot of psychologists, social workers, and, you know, an expert at the UN about what happens when you rip children away from their mothers and say, like, you know, she told me about, you know, in these in, in the instances where, say, you know, a parent is saying goodbye to a child because they're, they're going to be, you know, shot by the wall or executed or something, what happens in those last few minutes? And she told me, you know, you say, you know, enjoy your life, you try and give them all the advice that you can, like crammed into that last minute, you know, and as you walk away, you try to smile and, you know, show them that it's okay so that the last image they have of you is smiling, you know. And then the social workers and psychologists all told me that it never goes the way you want it to go. Like the way the mother has been dreaming in her head, this reunion will go, it doesn't go that way because the child is so traumatized. First of all, the child will have been replaying in her head over and over again the last time they saw you and what happened. And so the memory that Hannah has of the guardians ripping Offred away from her, she has been replaying that in her head. And when she asks Offred, did it hurt when they hit you on the head, you know, Offred realizes that poor Hannah has been living with this and just how terrible it is. And she, you know, instantly sort of switches into mom mode. Yes. You know, it's all about taking care of Hannah and saying, it's okay for you to feel that way. It's okay for you to be mad at me. And it was funny about that scene because Jeremy Pudesla, our totally brilliant director, 
when he first read it, he was like, Ellen, you don't know how to end a scene because there were so many parts to it. There was like the first part, which was hello, and then the second room where it was the ending, and then there's the whole thing outside. And he's like, we just had the goodbye inside. They're ripped away from each other. Like, why more? And I was like, because it's, you know, and Bruce agreed. It was like, you know, she's in that house and she's hearing Anna cry, mommy, mommy. And like, you just can't not go out there. You can't not go to your child who is screaming at you, you know, and not, but I was always the mom who was like at preschool drop off. If my kid was crying, I, against all advice, would like go back in and hug the kid <laughs> last time, you know? Yeah. And so she just can't help it, you know, do it. And I mean, I remember talking to Lizzie about that scene and, you know, um, thanks to Jeremy's note, the question was like, okay, well, how do we make the outside different from the inside? And I realized, oh, well, the outside scene, it's really about her building a bridge to Hannah and letting her go and doing that motherly thing of giving her concrete steps of just, you're going to, you know, take your Martha's hand, you're going to get in the car and you're going to go home, you know, and that is the best way that she can help her daughter at that moment. It was a combination of all this research and like God bless Bruce because his, you know, one directive for that scene and for all scenes is just play it out. Like it would really happen, right. you know? So it's like a crazy long scene. You just let it be a crazy long scene, you know? And that's something that's helpful, you know, because we're on Hulu and we're streaming. We don't have to hit like a 42 minute per, you know, hour mark, whatever, right. for like you would have, you just let it play and you let it be what it needs to be and what it would be in real life. That's what's great about it. So I, I agree with Bruce. I'm always in favor <laughs> of the authentic and the real as opposed to the the, the convoluted. So, Well, it's, you know, it, it's interesting. It was like both, it was a hello scene and a goodbye scene and, you know, I'll let you go to your new family and your new mother and new father. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, and I think I would be remiss here if we were you know, not speaking of um, talking about a scene where children are being ripped from parents' arms. Yeah. I mean, that is the craziest, most uncanny thing about it is that I wrote this in November or December. You know, I was working on this script. November, December, January, when we were shooting it, we were shooting it in January. And then this crazy policy of ripping kids away from their parents was, I think it hit in like April or something like that. Yeah. And it, it's really, you know, and the, at the time that I was constructing, it was like, you know, oh, well, here's another crazy dystopian thing that maybe happens in, you know, foreign countries with really bad totalitarian regimes, you know, like really brutal places that would never happen in America. And, you know, that's why I talked to the person at the UN, because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, crazy stuff like this happens over there, but not here. And then, uh, crazily enough, it's happening here in America today, which is really unbelievable and terrifying and wrong. Yeah. Well, that's a little meta there because you kind of went into the mindset of, uh, you know, pre-Gilead America there for a little bit. Uh, you know, this yeah. could never happen there. And it's just interesting to hear the writer of the show who you know, part of the show is that people weren't awake back then. And this is part of the reason that you know, all these terrible things happened And to hear you say, oh, well, this could never happen in America. Oh, that's very interesting to me. We're imagining for both these scenes, we're imagining a Gilead that is based on 
the history of misogyny, which is all about control of women's bodies and women's agencies. And so, of course, like women, you know, who give birth don't get to be mothers to their children. And, you know, Alfred doesn't own her body. She doesn't own her womb. It belongs to, you know, Serena and the commander. And, you know, when you have a society built on complete disenfranchisement, women and of, you know, the tie between parents and children, you'll inevitably come to this horrible, horrible conclusion. And that's what we're seeing. Yes, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Yelena, mm-hmm. and uh, it was fantastic. And hopefully we can uh, follow up with you down the road because I could talk about the writing of this show and all these things forever. So I really appreciate you taking the time. It was great to get some insight on this episode specifically. All the best wishes to you in the future. Okay, thank you. Best wishes to you, too. I look forward to hearing your podcast. Thank you. <laughs>